So, Natasha, just before I pressed the, the record button, I was saying an hour is nowhere near enough. I could talk to you for hours. Um, and first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for agreeing to do this. And we've just organized for my family to visit you and the farm. I am really excited. It's a real honor. Honestly, you're a trailblazer. You, you probably don't know this, but you are a trailblazer. You know, you're this Russian doctor, neuro, neurosurgeon. You came over to the UK, then you trained as a nutritionist. You're very holistic. I mean, in 2004, you, 2004, like a long time ago, almost 19, 19 years ago, you wrote a book about the gut and psycho, psychology syndrome and the natural treatment of autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, depression and schizophrenia. I mean, way, way, way ahead of the curve. I mean, people who have only, you know, now it's vogue that we're talking about the gut-mind access and how the gut is key to everything. You were way ahead of the curve, so much so that actually sometimes when you're when that far ahead, people think you're crazy. So, you know, most people are here, just in front of those people are the the cool trendsetters. If you're way ahead of everyone else, they think, wow, that person's a bit weird. Tell me, what got you into this? Like, how did you come to this realization? And please talk about the gut and psychology and especially the treatment of autism. I'm absolutely fascinated. I don't know if I mentioned previously in one of our conversations, one of my family members has got autism. And I, I think it's directly related to the vaccines that happened very quickly after they had their shots. So this is an area I'm very you know, very, very interested in. So please, over to you, Natasha. Thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm delighted to talk to your audience. And yes, my first book came out in 2004. And uh, I never expected that it will be so needed in the world because it, it created a global phenomenon. Gaps became a global phenomenon. That book has been translated now into 26 languages. We have more translations coming in. And uh, I'm not translating them. People in their own countries want to bring that information in and they're translating the book. So that means that there is a need for this information all over the world. Mm. I got into this uh, because of my child. <clears throat> That's what it is in this world. A human being has to become very uncomfortable before we change anything in our lives. That's the way we are designed, I suppose. And for a medical doctor to get out of the mainstream medicine, and start looking in the alternative fields, something very serious has to happen when you realize that your own profession cannot help you. And that's what's happened with me when my first child was diagnosed with autism at the age of three, and I quickly realized that I'm on my own with uh, this monster called autism, because at that time we didn't even have internet. I had a phone, I had a local library. That, that's all I had. And... Uh, Long story short, uh, my son has recovered fully. He is a um, healthy adult, leading a, a healthy, oh, happy wow. life. And uh, he was my teacher. He transformed me. He taught me most profound truths about how this world works and how the human body works. And uh, the result of that was the creation of the concept of GAPS. What GAPS is, basically, it states that the human body is a microbial community. There are more microbes in our body than there are human cells. And there is nothing microbe-free in your body. You have microbes in your blood, in your heart, in your lungs, in your brain, in your joints, muscles, skin, mucous membranes, everywhere. 
And it's a highly sophisticated microbial community, highly organized. Every microbial creature is uh, present in there, fungi are there, bacteria, viruses, protozoa, you know, all sorts of creatures together are there. And uh, the biggest part of that community lives in the digestive system of the person. It's called gut flora. That's where the big ministry is, the big headquarters, the big government of that mm. microbiome in your body, that community of microbes. And all the major decisions are made in the gut. You would ask why nature designed it that way. If you ask any microbiologist, what is the most powerful influence on um, a microbial community in nature? The answer will be immediately food. You change food supply to a microbial community in a petri dish in a laboratory or anywhere else in the world, yeah. everything will change within hours because microbes produce trillions of babies per hour and the whole microbial community will change immediately. So that is why, where do we put food? We place it into our digestive system, right? That is mm -hmm. why Mother Nature put the majority of our microbes in the body into the gut because that's where food comes in. This microbial community has to be harmonious and has to be balanced because every microbe in the world is capable of causing disease. The only way to deal with a microbial community and to live with a microbial community is to have harmony. Where every microbe is present and they all fulfill certain functions and they all control each other. They don't allow any one of them to get out of control and start causing trouble. Problem is, human beings have uh, a great ability to cause imbalances on our beautiful planet. We are busy doing that all the time. The major cause of imbalances are agricultural chemicals that our arable farmers are using in abundance. Majority of agricultural chemicals sprayed on our fields are antibiotics in their nature. Broad spectrum antibiotics. We consume them for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Because people buy their food in supermarkets, and who stocks the shelves of the supermarkets? Industrial agriculture. Every bite of food you buy in a supermarket is full of those antibiotics, yep. full of those chemicals. So you are eating antibiotics for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And when we consume antibiotics, when they come into your digestive system with food, they kill off particular microbes. No antibiotic in the world can kill everything. It only addresses mm. a narrow group of microbes which are vulnerable to that particular antibiotic. So once you've removed that small group of microbes, they were controlling lots of other microbes. So those microbes get out of control. They start overgrowing. The whole harmony is broken. The whole balance is broken in the microbial community. And when you have overgrowth of particular microbes, instead of being benign members of a harmonious community, they become rogues. They start causing trouble. They start digesting mm. food that you eat in, a, in their own sweet way, manufacturing millions of poisonous chemicals. At the same time, they damage the integrity of your gut wall, making it porous and leaky. Literally holes develop in your gut wall. Your gut wall becomes like a sieve. And all these millions of poisons absorb into your blood, into your lymph, and get distributed around the body. And wherever they get to, this poisonous river coming from your gut, wherever it gets to, it causes disease. That is why every chronic disease is born in the gut. And we have an epidemic of chronic illnesses in the Western world. And they're growing oh, yeah. all the time. 
the numbers yeah. statistics are terrible already and, and they're growing and growing and growing. So every disease, no matter how far away from the digestive system it has developed in your body, the roots of it are in the gut. Make no mistake. Whether it's rheumatoid arthritis, whether it's migraines, whether it's allergies, asthma, eczema, psoriasis, chronic cystitis, schizophrenia, panic attacks, depression, autism, ADHD, you name it, rosacea on your face, anything. Wow. Acne on your face, anything and everything is born in the gut. And if you want to rid of this problem for yourself, get rid of it, you have to look at the gut first. You have to rebalance and normalize that microbial community in your gut. And you have to heal and seal your gut wall. Close all those holes. So that river of toxicity stops. And once it stops, your body cleanses. Because every organ in your body has a marvelous ability to cleanse itself. Your skin mm. cleanses, your brain cleanses, your lungs cleanse themselves, your heart cleanses itself. So atrial fibrillation disappears you know, and other problems with the heart. So the body cleanses once the gut starts functioning properly, the way it should start uh, functioning properly. And that is why every chronic disease is born in the gut. Whether it's an autoimmune disease or an allergy, neurological, hormonal, uh, connective tissue disorders, every mental illness, every learning disability, any kind of failure of an organ, all of it comes from the gut. And the interesting thing is that um, what I've learned from my patients in my clinic is that uh, sometimes people don't have digestive symptoms. Mm-hmm. You get a person with depression, let's say, panic attacks mm-hmm. and uh, joint pains, some form of arthritis. And they say, well, my gut seems to be all right. No diarrhea, no constipation, no gas, no bloating, you know, no, pain, no, yeah. no indigestion. But when we do a test of gut flora, we find it's very abnormal, very damaged. And when we start healing the gut and healing and sealing the gut wall, rebuilding new gut wall for the person, literally, rheumatoid arthritis disappears. Other forms of arthritis disappear. Depression disappears. You know, allergies disappear. Migraines disappear. Panic attacks disappear. All of these things, which don't seem to be related to the gut lining and to the gut uh, disappear. So that's what GAPS is. That's what it is. I have two books on this subject because my first book uh, was written when I was focused on autism, naturally. That yeah, there's a second one, on 2020. Yeah. yeah. That's right. This is Gut and Psychology <clears throat> Central, which is focuses on the function of the brain and all the problems that the brain can generate for you. Every mental illness, Every learning disability, every dysfunction of the brain, from a, as mild as slight memory lapses to as severe as schizophrenia, psychotic episodes, and what happened, epilepsy, and uh, are covered in this book. Then, as I was working with these children and adults with uh, mental problems and learning disabilities, I realized that they're physically not well. Every organ is involved. When your gut flora is abnormal and it becomes a source of toxicity in your body, then every organ is involved. The the blood is not going to choose. I'm going to just dump all of these toxins in the brain. It dumps them in different organs. Everything's involved. So the second part of this um, syndrome gaps is gut and physiology syndrome, 
which covers the rest of the body. So this book is newer. It came out in 2020. It's quite a bit bigger. So it's got all the latest information on gaps. But both books are important. They, they do not repeat the information. Necessarily, they, they, they come together. So that is what gaps is, and that's where it came from. So you know, it's a short question. No, it's, it just goes to show you what a massive field and topic this is. Like you've just talked about all the conditions that are chronic conditions that are related to the gut. I mean, Natasha, I'm embarrassed to say it's only recently when I was interviewing another doctor, Dr. Sheena Fraser, who's into gut biome and biomes in general, that my own understanding improved. You know, I was of the opinion that bacteria lived on your skin and lived in your gut. And everywhere else was sterile. And she said, no, you have bacteria everywhere on your eyes, in your in your blood, in your organs, just like you're telling me now. And for me, that was a revelation. And it just goes to show you how we live in this amazing symbiotic relationship with bacteria. Oftentimes I tell my patients, you know, the bacteria that cause infection, because they say, where does infection come from? I go, well, it's not me coughing and spluttering into your wound. Um, you know, I'm a surgeon. The bacteria most often comes from your own skin. And they go, well, why does it cause a problem? Um, why, why does it cause an infection? I go, well, the bacteria are meant to stay on the skin in this balance. But if some bacteria get into the wound where they, they're not meant to be, and then they run amok, then there's an issue. And it's like school children. School children are wonderful in a class with a teacher. They're very well behaved. But if the teacher leaves the classroom for four hours, well, <laughs> the classroom will be a pretty chaotic and there'll be mayhem. So it's all about that balance. And yeah, like I said, I still think you were a trailblazer being able to identify and pick up these, you know, this key axis of the gut affecting everything. But I think, was it Hippo Hippocrates or some other Greek philosopher who talked about food as medicine? That's child. You know, and, and, and I think we've lost our statement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's Hippocrates, all those thousands of years that made the statement that all diseases begin in the gut. And today we absolutely understand that he was correct, 100% correct. And there's a, a pile of research now coming in and coming in, uh, um, confirming everything uh, the alternative doctors in the alternative field have been saying for decades, that human body is a microbial community. And the basis of every microbial community in nature, including our human bodies, are fungi. Mm. Fungi, no? Fungi. Mm. People pronounce it differently, this word. So they create a network. Yeah. And the, the copy of it that, that is the most researched is the soil under our, under our feet, on the fields yeah. and in the garden. The soil. The soil is a microbial community. And the basis of every microbial community in nature is fungal network, fungi. In the soil, they're called mycorrhiza. They create a, a, a network of hyphae, of long, long, long protrusions, hundreds of meters long protrusions. And the diameter of every of this uh, protrusion is about 100, 100 times bigger than the size of a bacterium. Viruses are even smaller. So bacteria, viruses, and other smaller creatures create little villages, little towns, little cities along that fungal network. And the fungal network becomes the road work. It's the system of motorways, uh, roads, streets, lanes, 
in these towns and cities and villages and in, in between them. Wow. Bringing food, bringing water, bringing information, taking away wastes. So a soil under your feet, healthy piece of soil, is like a sophisticated city with a road work with streets, lanes, gas supply, electricity supply, sewage being taken away, water being brought in. I love this All description. the communications, everything. So when you stick a, a spade into a piece of natural soil, dig it and turn it upside down, then break that lump of soil, you've destroyed the city. Mm. You've destroyed a lot of communications. That city doesn't work anymore. That is why digging is a very destructive practice. And certainly plowing, tilling, turning the soil upside down and breaking it. And that's what our arable agriculture does all the time. We are surrounded by industrial wasteland of industrial arable fields. And the soil is dead. The farmers say themselves, you know, we know all the farmers around us. And they say, when I was a boy... There were worms in our soil and everything grew without chemicals. Today, if I don't put chemicals on my field, nothing will grow at all. Mm. They're addicted to chemicals. They cannot do without chemicals because their soils are dead. They've destroyed oh, sad. the soils. That is why digging, uh, plowing is has to go if we want to, to, to preserve our soils on our planet. Your gut flora is soil inside you. It's the same. Mm. It's the same. There are even micro, uh, um, microscopic photographs now, you know, have done with the um, electric microscopes, electronic microscopes on a tiny, tiny level. The picture is exactly the same. That microbial community in your digestive system that lives on the surface of your gut wall, they create these cities, villages, towns. And every microbe creates a little home for itself. They all produce these sticky substances. In the soil, it's called glomalin, this substance. In, in the uh, human body, it's called a biofilm. Every microbe produces sticky substances to create a little home for itself. And all these sticky substances from different microbes get mixed together. So your gut lining is covered, covered in this uh, sticky substance called a biofilm, and it's a home for that microbial community. And the human gut has crevices and caves and deep, 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 deep sort of road ins, cul-de-sacs, you know, dead ends, going deep into your gut wall. And that's where the gut flora lives. It doesn't live in the lumen of your digestive system. It, gives, it lives deep down there. So it's highly complicated. So eating antibiotics on a daily basis is really not a good idea. That is why I keep telling people, all my patients, all my clients, and uh, the clients of all the GAPS practitioners I have trained and GAPS coaches I have trained, we have thousands of these practitioners now around the world. They all listed on my website. And uh, they all work with clients and they help them. And uh, what we explain to them, that in order to restore your health and the health of your family, we have to abandon supermarkets. We cannot continue yeah. buying our food in supermarkets because supermarkets are stocked by industrial agriculture. Every mouthful you eat is damaging you. You're buying illness in a supermarket. In every country in the Western world, and not only Western world, all over the world, has hundreds, maybe thousands of real farmers. People who love their land, who love their soil, who love their animals, their chickens, their gardens, whatever they produce, they treat them with love. They treat them the way Mother Nature designed them because all animals and birds must be on pasture, under sunlight, under the rain. 
Chickens, turkeys, pigs, cows, sheep, goats, they should all be on pasture. And the pasture needs to have more than 60 grasses and herbs in it, in a complete diverse community, because all of them yeah. are necessary to keep these animals and birds healthy. Yeah. The birds find all their meat <clears throat> on pasture because they eat insects, they eat worms. Chickens eat a lot of meat. And it's that protein from this meat uh, that goes into the egg for you. And you know where the color comes from in the yellow egg yolk, in, the, in, in an egg, of the chicken's egg? No, which is no where pasture. does the color come from? It comes from all the carotenoids that the chicken consumes when it eats grasses and herbs. Chickens eat a lot of herbs, particularly softer herbal leaves and grasses. They eat a huge amount of grass and herbs. And it's oh, the trust me, I can, I can see them even plant. now pecking away at the grass. <laughs> My garden's disappearing. <laughs> that's right. So they, that, that's what gives the color to the egg yolk in a real <clears throat> chicken egg. Do you know where the color comes from in a supermarket egg? It comes from a synthetic dye added into the feed of the chickens. No way. Which one is going to give you? That's right, synthetic dye. Which egg is going to give you good health? <laughs> the egg where the, the color comes from the grasses and herbs, all those carotenoids are uh, changed into vitamin A, vitamin D, and lots of other healing and wonderful uh, nutrients for us human beings. Yeah. That is why every chicken that you buy eggs from must be on pasture, not locked up in some factory on concrete floor and fed synthetic feed with dyes and God knows what. That egg will not give you good health. The same with milk, the same with meat. Animals need to be on pasture because they eat grass. Cows, sheep, goats, Mother Nature designed them to live on grass. We don't give our cows anything apart from pasture. They just eat grass. The milking Natasha. cows, we give them some extra, some extra food, but you know, Do you those know, don't. Yeah. Do you know my first podcast was with someone called Jonathan Chapman, who is a regenerative um, beef cattle and lamb farmer and he's only just a few miles down the road and i i get my meat from him and i had an idea about doing a health podcast a year ago and i thought i'd love to have this guy on my podcast because he's so passionate about what he does and he was saying look all my animals are on pasture and i was like what's the difference pasture grass fed he went completely different grass is just grass my animals are eating herbs so many different types of herbs he goes, do you just eat one thing? I went, no, I have a varied diet. It's good for you to have a varied He went, why would it not be any different from my animals? They need to have a varied diet. The more varied, the more healthy. They need to be outside, not in a shed, not eating soya and grain. Because otherwise you're just eating a diabetic cow, a sick cow. You're eating a... And, and, and it just made so much sense. At the end of the day, it's not even the food that we eat, but what did the food eat? The plants, the animals, what were they eating that we then eat? If they're sick and diabetic and then we eat them, well, we are ultimately what we eat, aren't we? It's not just energy. We are made the constituent parts of what we eat. <laughs> and if it's not healthy, Absolutely. then it's not good for you. Natasha, can I ask you something? So, I'm really struggling. I have mm -hmm. guests coming on and they, some are, you know, quite pro-carnivore diet and they talk about how wonderful a proper pasture-fed meat source protein diet is good for you. Some people are talking about how bad plant plants are. 
Some people talk about a balance, but then you've also got a lot of people pushing veganism and vegetarianism. What's your take on all of that? Where, where, where's the, the sweet spot? What do you advocate? I'll start with showing another book called Vegetarianism Explained. I've written this ah. book a few years ago. The reason I've written it, because I was getting uh, so many young people in my clinic who absolutely destroyed their health with veganism and vegetarianism. Mm. Before they started the veganism, they were perfectly healthy kids and absolutely destroyed themselves mentally, physically, in every possible way. And that made me very interested in this subject. I just thought, what's going on here? So the yeah. first thing I've looked at any research in this area, and I've discovered that there is not one, not one scientific published study we can trust on this subject. The China study that everybody's showing, you know, is a complete lie. Lie sitting upon a lie. So having discovered that, I looked at the basic sciences and I looked at the clinical research. And based on that, I've written this book. And what I explain in this book is that human beings can live perfectly well without eating plants at all. We do not need to eat them. Because the physical structure of our human bodies that we live in is mm. sustained by animal foods. Meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. Mm. They, in their biochemical structure, are very similar <clears throat> to what we're made of. Our proteins, our fats, our bones, joints, brain, the rest of it. And it's very mm. easy for the human digestive system to digest animal foods, to absorb them, and then the body immediately can convert them into your tissues, your physical structure to sustain it and repair any damage. And also your human body renews itself all the time. Every cell in your body has a short life. It gets tired, dies, gets removed, and a baby cell is born to replace it. So your body on a daily basis produces trillions of baby cells. In order to make trillions of baby cells, building materials are required on a daily basis. Where do they come from? From food that you eat. Plants yep. are full of proteins, full of fats, but in their biochemical structure, they're completely inappropriate for building our protein and our fat. Sorry, I'm they're, just going to pause. They're extremely difficult for the this, this is a bit crazy. I have a magpie harassing my chickens. Give me one sec. Okay. One second. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I had this crazy magpie just harassing my lovely chickens, so I've scared it away. <laughs> That's good. Can imagine you running around waving your arms. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was doing. Okay. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Do you want me to continue about vegetarianism? Please, absolutely. 100%. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, the way human digestive system is designed, it's very, very different from the digestive system of a cow or another herbivorous animal. Mm. The basic scientific fact is that the only things on our planet that can truly digest plant matter are microbes. Nobody else yeah. can digest plants on our planet. And Mother Nature used that uh, fact in creating a digestive system of a cow or a goat, or a giraffe, or deer, or another herbivorous animals. They have several yeah. enormous stomachs full of microbes. So the cow doesn't digest the grass she eats herself. All the digestion is done for her by that rich microbial community in her three enormous stomachs. Okay. So only microbes can digest plants 
properly. And that's what Mother Nature has done by giving rumen to a cow. Mm. A cow has three enormous stomachs full of microbial community, and it's those microbes that digest the grass for her. Mm. We human beings don't have a rumen. We have a small stomach which produces hydrochloric acid. And the acidity in your stomach can be below two, below one pH when we're hungry. Very hostile environment for any microbe to survive. That mm. is why human stomach is almost sterile. It has virtually no microbial community. Only a few microbes are managing to sort of hang, hang around there. That is why, remember, only microbes can digest plants. Plants yeah. are indigestible for the human digestive system, and they do not feed us, and they do not sustain our physical structure. Plants provide us with a lot of cofactors, vitamins, juices, and cleansing substances. That's why we eat them. And on top of that, mm. they give us colors, flavors, fun. It's nice to consume them. But all they do for you, they just cleanse your body. They allow you to cleanse. Right. Well, all the feeding and building of your physical structure you live in, your, your heavy muscles, your bones, your big brain, your lungs, your heart, everything else, comes from animal foods only. Mm. Meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. Again, this is a new concept I've introduced to the world, and I'm sure our science will catch up with us <laughs> sooner or later, and they will confirm this fact. So veganism is not a diet. It is a form of fasting. I cover fasting. I have a chapter on fasting in that little green book. Um, fasting can be very therapeutic. It's cleansing. You can fast purely on water, on juices, or just eat one thing, or you can be vegan. You cleanse because fasting is very cleansing. But at a certain point, your body will give you a signal. I finished cleansing. Now I'm hungry. Feed me. Mm, mm. Veganism is not a, a diet, it's a fast. But the problem is, when the body gives you that signal, it will give you a desire for a steak, for a roast chicken, for bacon and, egg, bacon and eggs, you know, or something uh, animal like that. Trouble is, many vegans in our modern world are doing it for um, emotional reasons, political reasons, religious reasons, and other reasons. 100%. They do not listen to their body. They do not listen to their body. They uh, force it to continue cleansing when the body yeah. asks to be fed. And at that point, the body has no choice but to start breaking down muscle and bone to feed vital organs, to feed your brain, your heart, your lungs, your mm. liver, your digestive system. Otherwise, you perish. And the longer the person stays in that mold, the longer they force themselves to be vegan, the more they lose bone mass, muscle mass, and they start developing degenerative diseases, particularly mm. diseases of the nervous system, the brain is about 40% cholesterol, the other 40% are saturated fat, and then there are proteins and other substances. So the brain in long-term vegans literally shrinks. They lose their mental capacity, they lose their cognitive ability, their intelligence. They don't even capable of realizing what is happening to them, many of them. And of course, all sexual function disappears in them because the body simply cannot, menstruation stop libido stops because the body cannot waste resources on that. So please read my book to understand what you're doing to yourself. Because the propaganda in the world for vegetarianism, for veganism is very powerful. It comes from global corporations and uh, the authorities that obey them. So please understand where all that politics come from. 
and why the propaganda is the way it is. Natasha, it's so funny. I mean, what you've just said just sounds like so much goddamn common sense. You know, my gut instinct is screaming out, saying this lady's talking the truth. And um, it's funny you talk about propaganda and politics. I I do have some people talking about politics on my show. And I think actually politics affects all aspects of our lives, including our health. And 100%, I think veganism, a lot of it is now a political ideology. It's a cult. It's a new religion. And the funny thing is the people who promote it saying, you know, oh, it's great for you, your body, your health. It's great for the planet. It's this inverted world we live in because it, it can be further from the truth. Monoculture is destroying biodiversity across the world. It's raping the land of the soil and nutrients. It's depleting it of organic matter. And eating fake burgers and vegan food and full of chemicals isn't good for us. So everything they say is good for the planet, it's good for you, it's healthier. It's just one big lie, isn't it? Absolutely. We live, as you've said, we live in an upside-down world. So whatever the mainstream is telling you, you have to turn it upside-down and then you will see the truth. That, that's, it, that's practically with everything. When did global corporations ever tell you the truth? No. And yeah. the governments are appointed and, and they serve global corporations. I know that the lie that they give us that they are from the people for the people. Turn it upside down and you will see the truth. They're serving global corporations. They're serving uh, big money. Where does, who does the, the media serve? Global corporations. And the same people in the world concentrate all the power in their hands. They own every industry and every corporation. Starting from agriculture, then food industry, supermarkets they own, then these supermarkets create disease, then they own the medical uh, uh, industry, they own the pharmaceutical industry, they own the governments, they own the media. The whole circle. And that's where the propaganda comes from. Vegans, the truth is that vegans and vegetarianism, mass-scale vegetarianism, will finish our planet off. It will destroy our planet completely. Vegans are destroying the planet. Vegans are destroying their health. And there is no kindness to any life form in veganism or vegetarianism. Vast majority of vegans do not have gardens. They do not produce their own uh, plant matter to eat. They buy things in supermarkets. Who stocks supermarkets? Industrial agriculture. Growing plants on a mass scale spells doom to our planet because industrial agriculture destroys not only the soil, it pollutes the groundwaters. So everything that lives in the water, these waters mm. run through streams and rivers to the sea, to the oceans. Mm. Our oceans are polluted. Our rivers are polluted. Our streams are polluted. All life forms which live in those waters get damaged, get destroyed, many of them. And then these waters, uh, you know, go into the air. The whole circle, everything circulates around the planet. And industrial, particularly arable agriculture, is a major destructive activity humanity unleashes on this planet. And that's what our modern vegans and vegetarians rely upon. So they need to really look deeply into what really is happening. I think it's a lack of and education. And as an organic farmer, yeah, let, yes. me just, let me just say one more thing. As an organic mm -hmm. farmer, I've learned a very deep truth that being a real organic farmer Meat, milk, and eggs are easy to produce. Easy, mm. easy. 
You just give animals and birds what they need, what Mother Nature designed them to have, which is pasture, free-ranging on pasture. You're busy in the morning milking them, collecting eggs and feeding them, and you're busy in the evening for an hour. An hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. The rest of the day is free. There is nothing for you to do. You can even hold a full-time job somewhere and have chickens and have cows and have animals and have milk and eggs and milk and, and uh, um, meat. Vegetable matter, however, on an organic farm, mm. growing vegetables, mm. growing fruit, you know, any kind of crop, growing full-time job. That's where real hard labor is, trying to grow vegetables. Because the yield is completely unpredictable. It rains at the wrong time. The sun shines at the wrong time. Mm. Some farmer sprayed something and all the bugs run away from his field and found my organic garden. And, you know, you can do everything by the book. Your carrots just don't grow. But cabbages grow for some reason. But next year they swap. For some reason you get a huge crop of carrots and no cabbages or no beetroot. And it's a completely unpredictable process, so the yield is not guaranteed. So producing mm. organic, truly, not a lie, truly organic vegetables and fruit is the hardest thing to do on a farm, and it is full-time job, a lot of labor. Let me mention that organic label in supermarkets is a lie. It has been corrupted in the last several decades because the big ag, big agriculture, wanted a piece of that pie, and they've changed all the legislations around organics. We now have organic uh, pesticides, um, various other chemicals and practices which have no place in organics. So the label organic in a supermarket cannot be trusted anymore, I'm afraid. That's a very sad truth. If you want truly organic, you have to grow it yourself. When it comes to industrial agriculture, these two things swap. Producing loads of plant matter with guaranteed yield, easy. Mm -hmm. One man can work thousands of acres. One individual. All the big machines and chemicals he has and the seed that is pelleted and coated in chemicals. And he's got all the schemes and you spray this chemical on day five. You spray that chemical on day 14. And he's a machine yeah. for this and machine for that. And it guarantees your yield and it guarantees not a weed in the field. Unbelievable. Perfect monocultures, you know, perfect yields, just it works. It's easy for them to produce enormous amounts of plant matter, profitable. When it comes to producing meat, milk and eggs, that is a huge headache for them and it's unprofitable because animals and birds just don't agree to comply with their industrial practices. They disagree with comply. them, they get sick and they die. And as a result, they have to use expensive antibiotics, expensive steroids, the expensive services of vets all the time. That is why they, um, they, they take all these animals and birds off pasture and lock them in prisons called mm. confined animal factory operations. So all of these poor creatures, they just get sick and they die. That is why they slaughter them young before they die. And you're buying disease. And they fed synthetic foods and they fed commodity grains and, and uh, mm. soya, which are not healthy for these creatures to eat. They are not designed to eat beans and grains. It's not their natural grains diet, and beans no. make them sick. Make them mm. sick. That is why industrial agriculture wanted to get rid of animal husbandry for a long time, since Second World War. And now they have their solution. They've invested billions into synthetic meat, Synthetic milk and synthetic eggs. These things are already in supermarkets. They're heavily promoted. And the next policy that all the governments are following 
from these uh, uh, corporations is to destroy animal husbandry. They're doing their absolute utter best to destroy, you know, uh, cattle, to destroy sheep, to destroy pigs, to destroy chickens, all of that, because they have synthetic alternatives for us. You know, a small group of people who own all corporations in the world have their own organic farms. They not they have no intentions of eating their synthetics. They're eating organic, yeah. pre- properly prepared, properly grown uh, the, natural the same meat and people, natural eggs. And the, the, the yeah. same people who are telling us not to burn fossil and, and drive cars, but flying around in their private jets. The same people who are telling yeah, us not to absolutely. eat meat. Just one person flies uh, in a huge private jet polluting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lifetime. And they have launched launched endless list of lies for decades. Yes. Maligning meat, maligning fat, maligning eggs, maligning milk, telling you that these foods, uh, these so, nourishing, wonderful foods Natasha, cause a disease, which I, is untrue. I've got so many things I want to ask you, and I keep forgetting them as we talk, so sorry for interrupting. But, you know, one of the things you just said, that the lies have been going on for many years, you know, I look back in my own like life. I remember them, you know, the salmonella. Was it curry? Someone curry talking about how eggs are bad and it caused salmonella, and and that's a load of nonsense. And then there was the issue of um, foot and mouth disease, and they slaughtered, you know, millions of animals in this country. And I had an email from someone who has suggested that that was actually a deliberate design and plan to cut the number of animals in this country and to, you know, create some, you know, wilding. So this agenda has been going on for a very long time. And these, these bad people, whoever they are, they plan things in decades. They don't do things in short term. They've been planning this a long time, you know, destroy, you know, like you said, animal husbandry, destroy, you know, proper food for us human beings and basically feed us garbage. I, going back a bit, I always say to people that big agra destroys and rapes the land. Big food creates toxic food that makes us sick. And big pharma then profits from our illness and misery. And they're all in this happy little symbiotic relationship, um, making us sick and making money out of us. We, we are the cattle, the sick cattle that they're profiting from. And it's, it's really, really sad. Can I go back, you know, without you telling me your age, <laughs> that's rude. Um, when did you come over from Russia? How old were you? And when was that? That was uh, beginning of 90s, 1991, 1992. That's where I've been here for a long time. How old were you in, when in, you in came over? Country. How old were you when you came over? I was 30. 30. Okay, I was 30. okay. So... So, so I'm in my I'm, would, I'm in my sixties. <laughs> you look amazing. You look amazing. I would never have thought that. So one of the things I think nowadays is that here in the West, we have now got more communists than in the former Soviet Republic. I think we've become a communist, you know, kind of like culture. You're not allowed freedom of speech. There's cancel culture. There's self censorship. There's a, a very few elite controlling the levers and there's constant propaganda. I mean, can you see the parallels? Is that, am I right? I mean, what was it like growing up in the Soviet era and, and what does it feel like now living in the West? 
I remember the Soviet Union in a very <clears throat> positive way. I had a very happy childhood. I had a very happy youth. It was an amazing country. And there is a huge uh, now appreciation of the Soviet Union in Russia and huge nostalgia for it in the majority of the population because it was a unique country and a unique environment from the point of view of human interaction, the point of view of how the human being felt in that country because you felt looked after and protected and uh, the way we uh, everything was provided. Everything was provided practically. There were just a few things that um, you had to get for yourself. Your accommodation was provided. Uh, food was all subsidized and the food was all natural. And land was given to you for free. Everybody in the city had an allotment. So weekends, the cities were empty in the summer and spring and autumn. Everybody were on a uh, train, you know, near city train, going off to their allotment and everybody were growing their own vegetables and people built little houses there so you could spend the whole weekend in, in on your own allotment in your little house there and it, these places were usually near some river or lake where you could have a swim and it was just a wonderful community feeling and the cooperation between people and people all shared and all helped each other it was an amazing amazing environment and completely different mentality than in the west Western mentality um, is very individualist, where the mentality there was very collectivist. Where, you know, a university professor or an admiral or a general could uh, walk on the street, maybe in the winter without a hat, because he wanted to show off his hairdress or whatever, you know. And every granny on the street or any lady on the street would stop him and tell him off. And tell him, put your hat on, because you'll get a disease, you'll get ill, you'll get cold. There was kind of a horizontal structure where everybody were equal. No matter what position in the society you might take, people spoke on an equal level. And, and a cleaner in your office will tell you off for something you're doing wrong, despite the fact that you might be the boss of the company. There was none of the subservient attitudes. Everybody were equal. And people spoke to each other as human being to human being. And, and what I'm leading to here is that um, we have labels, lots of labels in this world and every person seems to understand of their own understanding behind what the label actually means. So mm. what communism truly means and, and how it's been described by the uh, original creators of this idea is very different to what people actually understand today. And the same with socialism, the same with capitalism, the same with any, any, any other label. But what it comes to is that we are all human beings. And every human being creates his or her own reality. We are powerful creatures, every one of us. And we create with our thoughts, with our emotions, with our feelings. And if a person's uh, prevailing thoughts are negative and limiting and uh, locked in victimization, that I'm, I'm, I'm a poor, unfortunate little victim, I have no power, there's nothing I can do to change the world, there's nothing I can do to change my life, there's so many other uh, authorities around me who have full control of me, then that's your will, that's your wish. And the universe mm. will say that your wish is my command, here you are. But if as a human being you say to yourself, I'm in control of my life, I'm yeah. the God of myself. I'm in charge. 
what I say, that's the way my life will be. And my life is going to be healthy, happy, I'm free, I'm independent, and I create my own reality. The universe will say, your wish is my command. And that's what it will be. That is why in every country we have people who are happy, healthy, and delighted with their country, with the environment, and what's going on. And they have, uh, they're prosperous, and they're doing well. And then we have people in every country who are poor, unhappy, victims, and just nothing seems to go right for them. It doesn't matter whether that country is capitalist, socialist, communist, there's a tyrant on the, on the throne, or a, whatever. You know, there are people who are happy and healthy and are doing well, and there are people who are not. Because every one of us is in charge of our own reality. Do you know what I say to my patients when I'm consenting them for surgery? They talk about the comp- we talk about complications and risks, and they go, "Oh wow!" And I go, "Look, just because I'm mentioning these complications and risks doesn't mean they're going to happen. I just need to inform you." And I said, "Look, reality is, they go, how how do we avoid these complications?" I go, "One of the biggest things is if you come in positive and you have a positive mental attitude, positive mental outlook, positive things happen." But if you have a negative mental outlook and think negatively all the time, well, guess what? Negative things will happen. And I think that's what you've kind of said in a nutshell. Um, you know, we, we are not 100% in charge of our destinies, but we can shape it a significant way by how we interact with the world and how we think and behave. I mean, going back to Russia and the Soviet Union, I mean, the only issue I have with, I mean, what you sounded was very beautiful and rosy. I do like the idea of, you know, private property and being rewarded for your hard work and labor. Yes, we should all have equality of opportunities, but the reality is we're not all equal. Some people don't want to get up and work. Some people do want to get up and work. Some are innovative. Some are hardworking. Um, maybe like the Soviet Union was changing as well since it was, in, you know, started off. What I find in this country, though, is very, very much we're in the West, this idea, I don't know if you've heard Klaus Schwab saying 2030, you will own nothing and be happy. I I don't want to own nothing. <laughs> Maybe Bill Gates should own nothing. <laughs> Let's see how happy Bill Gates will be when he owns nothing or Jeff Bezos or anything. You know, they can give up all their billion, oh, the billions and they, be they happy. Not going to know. Yeah. yeah, they're not talking about themselves. No, 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 no. They always lie. But you have to understand that whatever they say, they lie. And the old formula, <clears throat> these people, you know, that, that are elite, whatever you want to call them. Exactly. What they always them? make long-term plans. That's right. Long-term plans, always. They, they plan long-term. And they have plan A and plan B and plan C. And they're amazingly well organized, these creatures. And the formula for... Uh, propaganda and for media is 80% lies, 20% truth. When you mix the whole thing, people see grains of truth in this unholy mixture and they buy the whole thing as the truth. Mm. They believe the whole thing. Just keep that in mind, the formula that they always use and they open about it because the rules of their conduct is that they have to warn us about everything they bring to us. That is why Hollywood was set up, to warn us to give us an advanced warning of what's coming. 
That is why, you know, Disney has been set up and, and, and many, many other things have been set up because they, these are their tools to give us a warning. And if we don't heed that warning, if we don't believe it, then it's our own fault because the legal system in the West is, um, it is your responsibility to know about the rules. If you didn't know about the rule, it's your own fault. You're supposed to know, and we have given you all the information. You just didn't take it in, so it's your own responsibility for that. So we have to understand that um, it's 80% lies, 20% truth. So whatever comes from TV, whatever comes from newspapers, whatever comes from the rest of the media, 80% lies, 20% truth. 100%. And this is, um, this is one of the reasons, Natasha, I'm doing this podcast. I was really struggling to find good sources of information and truth. I just thought, I'm really struggling to know who to trust. Um, my, I think my waking up period was during the two, you know, 9-11 um, when that happened. My whole worldview was shaken. And then the Iraq war. Um, and then the COVID years accelerated everything. And the problem is when you see one lie, you start seeing them all, which is why I left the NHS as well. I, I couldn't treat patients the way I wanted to treat. I was drifting more and more away from the way I was indoctrinated in medical school to a very holistic way of practicing. You know, I'm a surgeon, but the last thing I want to do is operate. I only operate when absolutely necessary. And I find that a lot of my patients are coming to me with chronic problems, with health issues. And I've picked up, it's the gut, it's the mind, it's the mental health, it's the sleep, it's the diet, it's the nutrition. And I wanted to spend time focusing on that and I wasn't allowed to. You know, you've got five minute, 10 minute consultations. What can you do in that time? You can't do anything. You can't, you can't. Because medicine is an industry. It's an industry and it's a highly profitable industry. Yeah. And it's owned and commanded by the same people who own all other industries in the world. It's as simple as and that. So many young people go into medicine with um, so many young people go into medicine with a pure mind, with real desire to help yeah. other people, to heal people, to become a healer. Yeah. That's what really, you know, majority of young people do. And then they go through the medical training and it is such a thoroughly designed brainwashing program that the product that comes out of the other end is a very, very different human being, unfortunately. And you're locked then into a system where you've got red tape all over. You, you, your hands are tied, your feet are tied, you, you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to say that. You know, We are fortunate yeah. as doctors that uh, we were pulled out of that system, that life pulled us out. I'm yeah. very grateful to my fate that pulled me out of mainstream medicine. You know, yeah, we, are, yeah. we are really, truly capable and able to heal people and to truly help people which is a huge privilege it is a massive privilege so on monday i fixed an ankle fracture and ankle fractures are like a fruit basket sometimes you get a little blueberry and sometimes you get a big watermelon and actually the little blueberries and cherries you don't need to operate on them they'll be better they'll be fine they'll get better you can put them in a plaster or a boot and most fractures ankle fractures are small fruit that you can fix without having surgery but the one on Monday needed was like a was like a melon, and um, if I didn't fix it, she would have gone arthritis, and you know, would have been in pain for the rest of her life. 
So it was very satisfying fixing that ankle. And, you know, in two weeks time, she's going to be walking. It's going to be amazing. But that's a very okay. small proportion of what I see. So only 5% of my patients, even less, will I operate on them. Because I know I can treat most people naturally and the body has an amazing capacity to heal. It's actually incredible. And uh, the way Absolutely. I look at it, I don't know about you, Natasha, but I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, yes, too much antibiotic use is bad, but if you've got an infection, antibiotics can be amazing. They're life-saving. Um, and, you know, certain operations. There is a place for all forms. Exactly. I'm sorry to interrupt. There is yeah. a place for all forms of healing in this world. And mainstream medicine is very well designed to deal with life and death situations, with emergency situations. Yeah. If God forbid you got hit by a bus, you want mainstream medicine because yeah. they will know how to fix you, how to help you. Yeah. But when it comes to chronic degenerative diseases, long-term symptoms developing, you know, out of nowhere, uh, the mainstream doctor is the last person you want to go to. Because first of all, they're not allowed to know <clears throat> what causes chronic diseases. They're simply not allowed. All they are allowed to do is to sell you drugs, to sell you pharmaceuticals. They're 100%. a sales force for the pharmaceutical industry. That's it. So all you will have is your symptoms will be suppressed because pharmaceutical industry is not interested in, in healing or curing anyone. Because if you cure it, you're not a customer anymore. There's no profit coming from you anymore. They're interested in suppressing your symptoms so you can be put on the drug for the rest of your life and you'll be a profit maker for them yeah. for the rest of your life. And that's how the doctors are um, designed. That's how they're trained. But human body is an amazing, miraculous creation. The creator created it perfect. It heals every damage itself. Your own body does the healing. All you have to do is just listen to your body and provide it with what it needs. You need to provide it correct food, rest, lack of uh, fresh air, clean water, natural environment, no pollution, no toxins, no electromagnetic pollution, and good emotions, positive attitude. If you provide all of that for your body, it will heal itself. It's an amazing, amazing creation, human body. And coming back to GAPS, there is no chronic disease that has not healed with the GAPS nutritional protocol. We've been now, I've been working for 30 years now with this, uh, with this protocol. And uh, in the initial stages, I thought maybe we couldn't treat this or we couldn't treat that. And mm. then the patient will come out or a person will come out who just bought my book, followed the, the diet in the book and healed. And they send me an email or send me a letter or send me a card and, and, and tell me, look what happened to me. Mm. So my patients are my teachers. My clients are my teachers. And all these wonderful GAPS people from all over the world, they're my teachers. Because you, no, no doctor can work with every disease that exists in the world. But now I know that cancer can be healed. One of my GAPS practitioners has healed her husband from the worst form of melanoma using the GAPS diet. She's wow. written a book on this subject. And the book is listed in the resources um, on my website, gaps.me, G-A-P-S dot me. That's my website. And uh, she, th th that book is there. Genetic conditions, so-called genetic dis uh, disorders are healed. I have so many uh, parents now coming to me with tiny little children who were diagnosed with some genetic defect. Mm. And the doctors tell them that, well, his genetics are faulty, so, you know, there's nothing we can do, kind of thing. What we need to understand that genes are not our destiny. 
We have epigenetics. genetics. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's the environment that you create in your body and outside your body mm. with your diet, with the cleaning your house, uh, you know, removing all man-made chemicals and pollution from your house in your life, with your thoughts, which need to be positive and loving and, and high vibrational thoughts. You know, you are shaping your genetics because we're all born with a full choice of genes. Every one of us has a gene to develop cancer, to develop multiple sclerosis, to have rheumatoid arthritis, to have this, that, and the other. But by changing your environment inside your body and outside, by changing your lifestyle, you are picking which genes you're going to activate mm -hmm. and which genes you're going to put to sleep forever. By going on a GAPS uh, nutritional protocol, you're picking all the genes for vibrant, beautiful health. They all activate. While the genes for cancer, for rheumatoid arthritis, for, for any of these diseases, go to sleep forever and you recover. So even genetic disorders, all diseases begin in the gut. So you just heal the gut. You fix the gut. For years now, for more than a decade, uh, I've been training medical practitioners and experienced people who went through gaps and healed their families and healed themselves. Uh, so we have GAPS practitioners and we have GAPS coaches. It's like doctors and nurses. So the, these, these professionals are all over the world. There are thousands of them. They're all amazing. They all do wonderful work. And we have, it's, it's an ongoing educational community. We have a platform for them uh, online where they all continue educating. Uh, and all of them continue communicating with each other. So if any practitioner finds it difficult to deal with any particular case, they can throw questions into that platform and thousands of people will help them from all over the world to deal with that situation. So it's a wonderful, wonderful community and they're very, very helpful to people who need that guidance. But majority of people just buy my books because the books are self-help books. Every bit of information is there. I'm going to have... what's in the books. In the, I'm going to have links to all of these on the website. So afterwards, if you can email me all the books and all the links, I'll put it on the website and make sure people know about it. I will. Absolutely. I will. Natasha, and you we know. we have GAPS training. Yeah. Sorry. We have gapstraining.com where we continue training people all the time. So if you're a medical practitioner and would like to be versed in GAPS, please join us. Or if you're a person who healed using the GAPS nutritional protocol and would like, you've gained so much experience mm. and you would like to help others, you really want to share your experience, please join us in Google Train Use a GAPS Coach. You can have your own business, your own clinic, helping people. And we have lots of other wonderful courses there, courses for uh, new parents who would like to have a healthy baby. We've got people who are suffering from electromagnetic pollution, EMFs. We've got a course for people who would like to be farmers and they don't know where to start. And we have a course for parents with fussy eating children, children who just refuse to eat properly, which is very, very fussy, very picky. We have a fantastic course for those parents. And we have some other courses which are very useful. So please have a look there. And there you will also find the link to GAPS Science Foundation. This is a charity that we have set up a couple of years ago now. We're doing scientific research and publishing it peer review journals. We are putting GAPS on a scientific basis. Oh, wow. For professionals, for science-minded people and uh, so so we're creating that solid basis uh, we, we rely on donations because it's a charity so there's a lot of work going on in gaps gaps is a is um, a global phenomenon so join us and uh, everybody can find some benefits in that world
Definitely. I mean, Natasha, we need to get this message out there. You know, every time I have a clinic, I have a clinic twice a week. I, you know, as part of the history taking, say, are you fit and healthy? And the patient says, yes. And then I say, are you on any medication? And I should really switch it the other way around. Because then when I say, are you on any medication? They go, oh, yes. And I go, okay, because I'm surprised. You just told me you're fit and healthy. What medication are you on? I'm on omeprazole. Why are you on omeprazole? I have hiatus hernia and gastric reflux. Okay. And then I'm on a beta blocker. Why are you on that? Because I've got, you know, some heart problem and hypertension. Okay. And what else are you on? I'm on a statin because I've got really high cholesterol. And then, and the list goes down and down and down. I'm on naproxen for, you know, an inflamed arthritic joint in my fingers. And, and suddenly they're on like 10 medications. And I'm like, you, this is not healthy, being on 10 medications. And they don't understand that you need, you need acid in your stomach. So if, you, if you're taking a proton pump inhibitor and cutting out the acid, that's going to affect, like you said, the sterility of your stomach. Then that's going to cause problems in your GI. Maybe that's why you've got hiatus hernia and reflux disease, because you've, you've, you've upset the biome, you know? I mean, it just goes, and then, you know, they oh, my memory's not great. Well, you're on statins, you know, you need cholesterol and they just don't see how everything links. And then patients will say, oh yeah, I've, I've got this autoimmune condition. I went, well, has anybody talked about your diet or got, and they go, no. I remember when my dad had cancer, I asked the oncologist, is there anything we can do like a diet? And the, the, I'm not joking, Natasha. This is the day that my dad's been given the bad news. He's got cancer. And I said, you know, does, is there anything in, in his diet we can do? The oncologist laughed. She laughed in her faces. She went, diet? <laughs> are, you, are you kidding? No, this is, this is medicine, not quackery. And I, and I walked away in disgust. She was that dismissive. So I think there's still a lot of education we need to do because I've not met any patient who's come to me and said, yes, the doctor has recommended that I change my diet. Every patient has said, yes, the doctor said, take this medication. And if it doesn't work, we'll add a different medication and then a different medication. And if that doesn't work, you need half your bowel cut out with surgery. You know, this is the way modern Western medicine works. It's just drugs, drugs, drugs and surgery. And I think one of the other things that was a wake up call for me was I always wanted to know why does it happen? Yes, I understand the anatomy, the physiology, and this is the pathology, but no one is telling me why. And the textbooks would always have unknown cause cause not unknown we have a theory that maybe this is what causes it but we don't really know and then and then there's a big push towards it's the genes it's genetics and that didn't really sit right with me either you can't just blame it on the genes and i think a lot of it is the environment and like you've just said you know the diet and i think you know it's great what you're doing because you're educating it's not just that you're treating people the books you're getting out to the public, you're giving these podcasts, and hopefully you're going to educate and inform, you know, thousands, millions of people that there's a different way of doing things. I'm glad you mentioned cholesterol and you mentioned the fats. That is the biggest dogma in our modern world. 
perpetuated and perpetuated by the mainstream conglomerate, the, the corporate sort of industry circle. Uh, so GAPS diet is rich in natural animal fats. So naturally, everybody were asking me the same question. What about heart disease? So I've written a book, which is called Put Your Heart in the Mouth, What Really Causes Heart Disease. I love it. you got a book for everything. I have a book for everything because I had to do that. Otherwise, I had to explain this whole thing to every patient. So cholesterol, natural cholesterol from food and fat do not cause heart disease. They reverse it, they prevent it, and they can heal you from heart disease. 40% of your brain is cholesterol. 80% of your immune system is cholesterol and, and animal fats. All your steroid hormones in the body are produced from cholesterol. Cholesterol is one of the most essential substances. The mm. human body cannot live without. Every second of your life, you need lots of cholesterol. Mm. That is why Mother Nature gave us a factory for manufacturing cholesterol, and that factory is in your liver. Mm. So whatever level of cholesterol you have in your blood doesn't mm. come from food. It comes from that factory in your liver. And the liver is in communication with every organ, every bit of your body, and every bit of your body sends signals to the liver. I need cholesterol, and I need mm. so much of it. I have some damage. I need to heal that damage. You cannot heal anything in your body without cholesterol and saturated fats. Because they're structural. We are built out of them to a large degree. You cannot heal any. Your immune system cannot function without these things. Your hormonal system cannot function. Your brain cannot function. The rest of the nervous system cannot function. So all of them all the time require cholesterol. So that liver, that, that, that machine in the liver works. No diet in the world can change that situation in your body. Nature has set it up beautifully. The only things that can change it are statins. The drugs, the anti-cholesterol pills, you know, this is a number one profit maker for the pharmaceutical industry. That is why they push it. They put huge effort into pushing this thing. Mm -hmm. And what these statins do, they break that factory in your liver. So it doesn't work anymore. And your body goes into starvation mode for cholesterol. Your brain starts literally shrinking. And what happens when that situation happens? Your personality changes. This has been written and described in, in hundreds of scientific studies and books and personal accounts of people where the, the, the spouse of this person who started taking statins says his personality changed. He became cranky, unpleasant, critical, negative because the brain is starving. These people are angry. They, they, they just, there was a, a fascinating research conducted in American prisons last century by uh, Dr. Pfeiffer and his team where they have been researching, studying uh, murderers and other violent offenders. And they found that more than 80% of them had low blood level of cholesterol because their factory in the liver that manufactures cholesterol was blocked, broken down by toxicity, by drugs, and by uh, nutritional deficiencies. And because of their low blood cholesterol, they committed those violent crimes. Their brain was in such a mode of starvation your immune system doesn't work. People with low blood cholesterol consistently are prone to cancer. They usually die from cancer. And statins, the lack of cholesterol in the body, is a number one cause of Alzheimer's epidemic. Before statins were invented, there was no Alzheimer's disease. They are the cause of this epidemic, period. We, we again have 
books written by doctors about this, number of them, more than 10 books now on the market about this situation. And we have lots of studies on this. The whole idea about cholesterol and fat comes from a very dishonest person who calls himself a scientist in 1952, who created this whole diet heart hypothesis where he stated that cholesterol and fat cause heart disease. Since then, since 1952... What was the name? Hundreds of scientific studies have been done all over the world to prove that this hypothesis is completely wrong. Big mistake. But the more the science is coming up with this uh, proof, the more the industry is determined and the governments and the media and all the, you know, their servants, basically, are determined to convince the population of the opposite, that this hypothesis is right. Because while the scientists were busy proving this hypothesis wrong, huge a very profitable uh, political and financial complex grew based on that hypothesis. Pharmaceutical industry is making billions. Governments are making billions. Medical industry is making billions. Food industry making billions. And these powerful industries are not allowing this hypothesis to die. That is why, despite the conclusive evidence from the real scientists from all over the world that this hypothesis is wrong, it's still being promoted. What's your take on vaccines and vaccine science what we have learned about vaccinations in recent years and thank you to that so-called pandemic that we had a couple of years ago you know for for, for a couple of years that entertainment that we had for two years yeah theater uh, we had uh, all the scientific community exactly huge entertainment <laughs> so um the whole scientific community of honest scientists from all over the world had to really look at vaccinations, have a really hard look at the whole industry of vaccinations, at the history of vaccinations, starting from Jenna, you know, and starting from um, Lady, what was her name, in the 1800s, who was first to introduce the concept of vaccination, of variolation, I forgot her name, and uh, the British lady. And uh, the whole thing now has shown itself what a fraudulent history it is. Mm. It is a history of fraud, lies, manipulations, and terrible damage done to humanity. Terrible, terrible damage. And now on top of that, we've got this mRNA technology and whatever was in these so-called vaccines uh, that people had to be injected with in the last two years. You know, they're not vaccines, they're biological weapons. The, the, the agenda behind them is extremely sinister. And this is not conspiracy theories. This is now fact that every scientist around the world has to face and has to know. So from everything we've learned now about the whole vaccination industry, I now have to say I will not recommend vaccination to anyone, any child, any adult, any young person, any elderly person ever. Did you have your children vaccinated? I didn't know any better when they were small. But by the time Me I same. started learning, same. Uh, I stopped, yes, I stopped it. At a certain point, I have stopped it. So my second child only had his first three vaccines when he was a baby. And after that, he was not vaccinated. Yeah, so I had to stop. And the health, I have to say from a clinical point of view that the healthiest children that I have ever met in my life were unvaccinated children. They were younger siblings 
of an autistic child or hyperactive child or a child with dyslexia, dyspraxia, eczema, asthma, epilepsy, or any mm. other diabetes type 1. On mm. the first child, the parents learned all the truths mm. by trying to save their first child, save the child, help the child recover. So the following children, they were far more well-educated parents. They knew lots of things, and they knew how this world functions, and they protected those younger children from all these uh, hazards in the Western world. So those are the healthiest children. They are bright, they're curious, they're into everything, they learn very fast, they have fantastic learning ability. They're just real 100% human beings. You know, what I find really, you know what I find really strange? Um, this The theory behind the vaccine is that you get a virus, you break it up, and the damaged part of it you put into you know, this vaccine. So when you inject into the body, your body recognizes a damaged or inert part of a virus and goes, hey, that's not normal and creates antibodies against it. So the next time a real virus comes along, it goes, I know you, Buster, and it, it can deal with it. And that kind of makes sense. But then I, I found out that there's something called an adjuvant and that they add to vaccines. And I was like, what's an adjuvant? And they went, oh, it's something that promotes an inflammatory response. I went, why do we need that? And it's because, oh, because sometimes the other thing doesn't actually cause an immune response. And I was like, hold on one sec. The whole point of adding this virus damaged or whatever live attenuated is to create an immune response. You're telling me it doesn't do that. So we have to add something to create an inflammatory response. What is that thing? What is an adjuvant? Turns out adjuvants are toxic things like aluminium that's not meant to be in the body. Yep. Um, yep. Or, or mercury. Mercury is poison. It's not meant to be in the body. Or bits of infection like E. coli or, or chemicals, strange things. So then it's the case then if your body is creating an immune response and it's to the adjuvant, How's that going to be helpful when a virus or inf- infection comes in? Because you you only had an immune response to the, the material in the, that's the adjuvant, not the actual other. Sh- I, I can't get my head around this. Am I missing something? This just sounds really weird. Why are we putting toxic things inside our body? And, and, and medicine is about first do no harm. So mem- we always have to remember Absolutely. vaccines are healthy people that we are injecting toxic things to. First, do no harm. And what are the risks? And all the studies that are happening, it's always one group of patients who are taking vaccines being compared with another group of patients being, who are given vaccines. You're never having a group of patients yes. being compared with people who have no vaccines, just placebo complete just water there are, up to, there are up to 20 studies like that there are up to 20 studies like that now yeah all of those studies were done on a private basis where people funded them from wherever they could find money they certainly were not done by the industry and every study in where they compare vaccinated children with unvaccinated children shows unequivocally that vaccinated children are damaged and unvaccinated children are way healthier in every possible way the comparisons are like, you know, um, a vaccinated group had, you know, 80 diseases, eczema, asthma, also all sorts of things, you know, 
have these things. Unvaccinated maybe have 1%, 2% wow. of children develop, develop these things. So the comparison is startling. Absolutely. The, crit- the critics because out there are listening. The show that unvaccinated children are way healthier than children who have been vaccinated. The critics will say there's no such studies. You're just making it up. You're crazy anti-vaxxer, Natasha. But available. You're, you're there is Putin an organization lover, that was set you know, up during COVID. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're just, they're just... On a health defense fund. So which where you will which find one? the studies on the, on the website of the Health Defense Fund, Children's Health Defense Fund. You will find these studies on their website, Children's yeah. Health Defense Fund. I mean, but am I right about the adjuvants? Is is am I am I missing something? Absolutely, absolutely. If you didn't add a, this this toxin that damages your body, and aluminium is implicated in Alzheimer's disease other forms of dementia, in schizophrenia, in autoimmune illnesses, in aluminium. Aluminium is a poison. There is no safe limit limit for aluminium coming into your body. The amount of aluminium they give to tiny babies in the first few vaccinations is an elephant dose. Yeah. Enormous dose. And it all goes, because aluminium is fat-soluble, it targets fatty tissues in the body. Your brain is high-fat organ. So all that aluminium targets your brain and the rest of your nervous system, and that's where it accumulates and settles and lays the ground for learning disabilities, for autism, for ADHD, for all sorts of things. Vaccinations are a crime against humanity. They damage practically everybody who's been subjected to these things in some and, and, way or another. And it's a sacred cow. You can't challenge it. You can't talk about it. You can't question it. And if you do... Because vaccinations you're... are seen as this benevolent activity that it's not a drug. They are drugs. And now uh, the latest information we're receiving that the pharmaceutical industry is now going to put mRNA technology, what's been, what was in these bioweapons that people were injected during the entertainment years, um, is now being put into every childhood vaccine. So whatever the nefarious uh, agenda is behind that is now being launched upon every child on the planet. So every parent needs to think very hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and the thing is, I, I think of it as, again, a, a religion. I, I was brought up in Islam. I'm not a Muslim now. I just believe in God. And um, not just, I believe in God. And, um, you know, we were, we were taught, oh, don't worship false idols. I used to be like, what false idols? <laughs> Who worships false idols? There's false idols everywhere. We have to pray to the holy jab. You know, our holy job, the savior. I mean, and then this, you know, these ideologies, these cults, these religions like veganism, you can't question it. You're a good person if you're a vegan. Look how good I am. Look how good and kind I am to the planet by being vegan. And, and this is the inverted world that we're living in. And the same with climate change. So, for example, I recently tweeted or posted whatever you want to X or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, I don't believe in man-made climate change, but that doesn't mean I think it's okay to pollute the air, land, and sea. I really care passionately about our earth and our planet and looking after it. I am an environmentalist. I just don't believe in man-made climate change. I don't believe in that bullshit. And the funny thing is the same people who are pushing the climate change narrative and we have to tax this and tax that and carbon charge this, they're the same people who are creating monocultures and destroying biodiversity and pumping out 
chemicals and raping the land and mining cobalt and creating all the damage. And and they and this is the inverted world we live in. They don't care about the environment. They don't care about the planet. But they scream about climate change. And what is the solution? Take away our freedom. Take away our money. Tax us more. It's just ludicrous. But it's about waking people up to the scams. And they're all the same. The big food scam. The big agro scam. The big pharma scam. The climate scam, the vaccine scam. I mean, it's just scam, 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 one after another. And I just feel we we need to wake people up to all these scams, including the Ukraine war scam. You know, Russia is not our enemy. Russia is this beautiful country. It's this rich culture. It's an incredible nation with good people in it. They're not the enemy. Um, but by saying that, you know, I'm apparently... Yes, every war, every every revolution was organized by the same people. The people who own everything on the planet, who own every corporation, who own this whole circle. It's been all, the First World War was organized by them, the Second World War. Their uh, rule is divide and conquer. And they yeah. come all the way for, for hundreds of years, you know, they've been active, these people. And as I say, they're impressively well organized and they have long-term plans. And everything that's given to the population is this mixture of 80% lies, 20% truth. So the population buys the whole thing and, and follows their agenda and serves them. So they would divide and conquer and then they would, fu- they would fund both sides and clash them together. Mm. So while these two sides are fighting each other, they're making money on both sides. They are bankers. All banks belong to the same people. So when there is a war, it's absolute bonanza for them. It's wonderful. So many people are killed. So bank accounts are, have no owners. They become theirs. It's a major way of making money, you know, on, on every front, on both sides and plus on the, on the bank side. So the more wars there are, so they organize every war in the world. It's very sad. Anyway, it was 12, you, you, you're busy and you need to do something. So listen, I, the way I like to end, and, and please come back, please. I'm, I'd love to hear you talk about other stuff. And we're going to come and visit you. Thank you for that. That's going to be great. And my children will love it, especially my middle child, who is just like Dr. Doolittle. She loves animals. Um, I, the question I want to ask you, Natasha, is, you know, God willing, you've lived to 150 you're fit, healthy until that point, and then you know your time has come. You've lied down now on your, on your deathbed. Your family are all around you, your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. What words of advice, what wisdom would you impart on your family before you pass on? What would you say to them? Health or otherwise, anything. What would you want to tell them? This world is beautiful. It's wonderful. It's absolutely amazing. And it is unique in the whole universe, in the whole infinite creation. It's unique, our, our, our amazing, beautiful planet. Our planet is our mother. She loves us. She gives us everything for free. The plants grow for free. The soil is given to us for free. The sun is shining for free. The rain comes for free. You know, the air that we breathe, the water we drink, everything. No disease has been created by the Creator. Every disease and every suffering in the world is created by us, human beings. 
you create your own disease. And diseases are a wonderful healing and cathartic experience for a human being. Every disease, when you develop a chronic disease, it gives you an option. Do you want to transform spiritually and grow as a spirit? Or do you want to go lower? Are you going up or are you going down? Sliding down. And it's up to you to make that choice. If you decide that, right, I'm going to change my lifestyle, I'm going to stop smoking, I'm going to stop breathing pollution every morning, sitting in the traffic jam, I'm going to love, spend more time with my family, I'm going to try and produce some of my own food, I'm going to try and cook to start with. I'm going to start cooking my food afresh rather than relying on takeaways or eating out. Uh, you know, you're making a choice to go up, to evolve as a spiritual being. Mm. To become better, more loving, more joyful, mm. more highly vibrational, moving towards God, moving towards Creator, moving towards love and joy and goodness for yourself. And you will pull your family along <clears throat> if you've got uh, children, particularly. You'll pull your family along in that direction. You will lay a, a beautiful foundation for the rest of their lives. Remember, I said that every human being creates his or her own reality. By making that choice, by going higher, you're creating mm. a beautiful life for yourself. You will be creative, productive, happy, healthy. And everything will just come your way and everything will work for you. But if you make a choice to go to the mainstream doctor and start taking pharmaceutical uh, formulations to suppress your symptoms, you're sliding down mm. into the negative, into disease, into suffering, into unhappiness, into the whole caboodle of things. And you become the captive of those forces that we were talking about today. So I'd like to finish on the positive. You know, yeah. um, birth 100%. and death are two sides of the same thing. Death is just as beautiful as birth is. And I believe that everybody needs to be conscious when we die. It's important to be fully conscious and experience death fully with mm. wide open eyes and wide open ears. Because it's a beautiful transition and a beautiful, uh, it's coming home. It's coming from where we came from because we are spiritual beings. Oh, we are not these bodies. The bodies are just a jacket you wear for a short period of time. And you've created that jacket out of this material world from dust to dust. And you will leave it here to go back to dust and give uh, rise to new life forms, to new bodies in this environment. But you are an eternal spirit. You're eternal. And you're loved more than you can imagine. And the more you fill yourself with the, that love, the higher you will move, the more you love yourself and love every life form around you and love our mother, the planet Earth, and love every human being and every animal and every bird and every insect and every microbe and every plant. The more that energy permeates through you, the more of it will come out of you. And what comes around, Goes around, comes around. Whatever energy comes out of you makes a big circle and comes back to you. If what comes out of you is love, it'll go around, get stronger and come back to you as love. But if it is any, anything negative you're sending out, that's what will come back to you. It'll become much stronger and it'll hit you so hard <laughs> when it comes back to you. And then you'll say, well, I'm a victim. I didn't create this. How could I possibly have created this terrible experience? You have created everything that happens to you in your life. You. You might have created it years ago. Mm. You might have created it in your previous lifetime. 
It's just hard to make a big circle around the whole universe and come back to you. We are gods. We are in charge of our own destiny. We have free will. We make choices. And we are infinitely powerful. Just keep that in mind and make the right choices. That's all there is to it. Amazing. Right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this lovely lady, Dr. Natasha. Um, I'm going to have all your links, everything on the website. Please just email it later on. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. And um, I'm definitely going to have Natasha back. Don't worry about that. Okay, folks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Natasha, you're lovely. Uh, Everything you said uh, resonates with me 100%.